Welcome to the Design Alchemy podcast, where we look behind the veil of the design industry. I'm Billy. And I'm Dimi, and we will be discussing and deconstructing the great work of visual communication and symbolism, and how they affect our culture. And we are on. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, big welcome. Thank you for returning to us yet again. And yeah, it's uh, it's the second it's the second episode of the reprise of season two, I must say, or something like that. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 the reprise of season two in twenty twenty three. Uh, we try try again now. Yeah, uh, the year of the Lord, and uh, so. Dimi, you have a you have a beef with something I've heard a beef yes. with the design framework called design thinking. Maybe you wanna, maybe you wanna, yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, so we were supposed to be doing a very different episode, but I was browsing the internets uh, the other day, and I was just, I was so baffled. Like I am in this very cynical stage of my life this last year and a half i think uh well i i, I was a cynic before but now i'm you know at the extreme beyond cynic. <laughs> and i keep seeing all this um i have been exposed to this idea of of a secular religion of secular religions uh plural uh, like mm. this this idea that even even in, in secular context or atheistic context, we still have collections of ir- irrational beliefs that guide our thinking. And we, we have our own heresies and our own popes and our own um, sinners and um, a, a, lot of, a, a, a lot of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. information and structures that are not necessarily uh reflected in real life experience or f- scientific foundation or things like that and in like i i keep seeing that we do this a lot in in the design space with design thinking and other other frameworks are um probably in the same in the same bag but i wouldn't even call design thinking a framework like i i feel it's the, it's vague enough that it cannot even be classified as this. So, um, hot topic. (laughs) And I know you're, you're more exposed to this, to this kind of, uh, thinking and this kind of work. And you definitely, you're more in a field where people respond to this in some sense. So I really wanted your input and it just makes sense to record this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That 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 was the podcast all along, right? We we used to have big deep talks over a beer or a coffee where we end up two hours and talking about this stuff. And yeah, now we have a mic in front of it and a lot of you listening. So so that's that that's super nice. But so let, let me just for for context. Uh, so Dim, you work a bit more on the kind of branding and side with of things uh, in running your own company. Whilst I have a winding way through the design industry, but the last four or five years I've worked in tech as a UX UI designer product designer kind of the same thing we can talk about that another time the role anarchy of our industry but so, so that's just kind of so you understand where, where we're coming from but you know if i would steal man or just like think about what i like about design thinking and okay if, and if anyone here doesn't know what design thinking it is it's a it's a it's a 
process or it's a way of uh, designing that has that has five stages. It has. Uh, let me see if I can get them right now. Empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. And the basic kind of hypothesis of design thinking is that you need to to be able to design things that resonate with your users. So people using your website or your app or your service, you need to kind of research their needs and understand where they're coming from. So that's the empathize part. Define is a bit like okay, let's take everything we learned and put it on a whiteboard or wherever and start kind of clustering that and finding out, okay, can we see any common threads here, any common clusters of problems? Uh, okay, a lot of users have a problem with sign-up or they drop off after sign-up or they can't find the checkout button or whatever it might be. From there, you challenge those assumptions in the ideate stage and uh, or you validate. I mean, it can be can be it depends on. And you kind of you create ideas. That's the the ideate part. You brainstorm. You go high and low. You go big and small. You go crazy uh, or more reasonable. You you go for it as a team. And then from there you create a prototype. So a prototype maybe you know maybe you don't. But it's a it's a kind of a, a mocked up solution of what the final thing would would look like. So something like a, maybe a, uh, it could be. Uh, it's not so common these days, but some people like to do kind of paper wireframe prototypes absolutely fine i think they're a little bit of a waste of time so you could do something kind of something like in, in figma that is way closer to what it's actually going to look like so you could make prototypes in, in many ways but yeah then you make a prototype and then you test it at the final stage that's that's kind of the what do you say the cookie cutter uh view of, of design thinking and uh, to be honest i don't have a lot of problems with it because uh and you know tell me if, if you don't agree I worked in different parts of the design industry. Let me give you one example. Fashion, for example. Mm-hmm. This, the, the, the fashion is like undesign thinking. It, it's in, in the sense that it's it's top down in, in the sense that we have a creative director or like a head of whatever, men's wear, women's wear, um, and they are the end-all, be-all designer. Like their will is law and everyone else underneath has to obey. Mm-hmm. And they can motivate everything they do on the on the basics of I don't like it or I like it. And this used to bug the shit out of me when I worked in fashion. Like we have this thing and and it we, we tried selling a few, let's say a t-shirt with a certain print or whatever, and, and it might be selling. And then we want to do next season we want to do something kind of like it. But then the the creative director, ah nah, I don't like it. Okay, but the the customers seems to 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 like it, uh, or they're very they're, they're buying it. And um, I'm kind of general; it's oversimplifying here, but I, 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 the gist of it was something like that. So for me, when I switched to tech a couple of years ago, um, this was like, wow, okay, like this is how it should be. I thought. Then I can definitely agree with you uh, that clothes and tech are not the same thing. In every some, you could you could argue that some parts of the design world needs the kind of rock star designer they need the what do you say the, um, the, the, the if you want to talk about the, I, I think I think there is there is a case here for um, cultural cultural artifacts such as fashion and usability centric definitely uh, design such as UX and, and UI like the um, it is a rare occasion where UX or UI might be used in order to disseminate culture in the same way that we do fashion, uh, which is a more communal, more um, 
the like it's it's a top down enterprise because the idea is to share a flame that is burning elsewhere. And I mean, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be told what to do. That's the basics of fashion, right? This is in right now. This is not. That's the whole. It, it, it's built into the mechanics of fashion, kind of. It, I, I definitely. Yes, uh, but like, it, just I, I will I will ask you to imagine this from the supreme fashion designer's uh, point of view. The idea is that when you get to the level of you know Valentino or Gucci or whoever, like you're sort of just getting the opportunity to be inspiring to a whole Western civilization and culture. Like, it's, it's just your time to tell people what to like, if that makes sense, which is, again, you know, uh, building on the accolades of the mass uh, adoption of your brand anyway. Does that make sense? Like, you're Karl Lagerfeld, right? And you just, you you capitalize on people's, acceptance of your brand in order to get to a certain point where it is it is the time to um uh to do your duty and just tell people what What you think okay yeah yeah i mean in 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 essence I, i agree with you but i think maybe you're missing a small nuance which is that like how the whole fashion system innate or so now we're going deep into fashion here, but whatever. It's, it's an interesting comparison because the, dif- the industries are so different. But how the whole kind of mechanics of fashion, and, and if you want to talk about religio- re- religious metaphors and stuff, how Valentino and all of these big big brands who are now owned by conglomerates, by the way, none of them, the creators still ex- exist. They're not even alive. And it's you know a bunch of designers mm-hmm. doing stuff there. How they rose to, to uh, fame or, or is, is through a intricate kind of, nepotism driven um magazines stylists celebrities exactly. uh, and, and not even to to say the fashion weeks so again what's shown at like paris fashion week and stuff like that will be um will be what do you say it will go into the system of fashion and then it will trickle down to uh you know the, the more mass mass market you know your h&m your zara your your, your different ones so so there's a really kind of um, power dominance hierarchy, or whatever you wanna, you wanna call it, uh, that that kind of dictates everything. So it's not just just like that. People like Karl Lagerfeld, and that you know he he got to a place, uh, 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 what do you say, like a, a revered place in the industry, yes. sure by, by by being talented and hardworking and, and all that stuff. But there's also all this other stuff going on in the scenes where they, you know they, it's the it's the kingmakers of, of fashion. Oh, you know, one hundred percent. I'm not saying the the king is democratically elected in in this in this right. situation. Excellent uh, metaphor. Excellent metaphor. The the, the yes. Uh, so, yeah. So let, let's get back to design thinking yeah. because yeah. yeah, fashion is a different beast. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. But so, so so the interesting part there for me was uh, just the you know the shift there from going from that the 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 the, the kind of dominance hierarchy of, of fashion weeks mm-hmm. uh, down effect to to, ma- to mass consumers to so like just like actually listening to what the users want. So again, the last the last point on fashion here is that when I was a designer and I used to make clothes, I used to go to the stores of the brand I worked for and ask the staff what's going on. Like, what are the guys saying? So I used to work in menswear. What are the guys saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
like you you said basically go there and and observe and you know i would learn stuff like uh, people or guys in this case they they would buy the t-shirt i made and then they would be so excited to wear it that they wanted to change in it in the store that to me is what we in tech would call a, a qualitative insight that that's like you know going to the to the place if there's a physical place uh, and, and and look that's called a contextual inquiry if we're going to talk about these all these academic words that we use uh, and observing user behavior in this case customers because they are the users for for the clothes and and then you take that and and that's kind of one small piece of nugget that, that can inform whether a product is doing well or, or not. And, and that mindset, I, I, can, I like, as a, I think it's wholesome. But what I would agree is that people get wrapped up in what I would describe as maybe like packaged bundles of, of opinions or framework. You, you buy hook, line, and sinker. And you know now design thinking is the end all be all. It, it's a process, and you have to follow it to to the T. Otherwise, you're 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 a her, you're a heretic. Right. That bugs the crap out of me as well. That like you 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 go full, <laughs> you know what 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 is it called the movie Tropic Thunder? You you go full retard in the other in the other direction. You know. Um, well, okay. I, I this is definitely something we can touch, but my starting objections with design thinking. They start at the level of usefulness and actual applicability of even the most kind-hearted and um, you know well-meaning approach to this. So we have talked about the design proletariat in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think you know just uh, making making some uh, analogies to to other movements and other historical consequences um, really works in in our conversation. So I will do exactly the same. I feel that design thinking approaches the users, like the the intended users, the the audience of the app or the website or whoever, in a similar in a similar stance as the um, uh, pretty much world explorers of of um, of. Are you, are you know, saying it's colonial? The Victorian <laughs> era, or before that, the age of exploration, like the mm-hmm. the the uh, civilization of ancient peoples by uh, colonizing them, essentially, and just observing them as in in a in a certain kind of zoo context in this, especially Victorian era. Uh, colonization of Africa, or mm. what have you? Like it does feel. A Let's lot... go visit the users, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like, yeah, exactly. Mm. As as if as if the designers so detached from the common uh, the common person, All right. All right. Uh, yeah. thinking. So that is that is one, and I have to point out that especially the way the framework is written out. Uh, with empathizing before defining, I'll, I'll tell you that even even the the framework because it's just five words essentially it's not really a framework, but that's that's a different. Be- it has diagrams and icons and stuff. <laughs> then it's a framework. Yeah. So, so even even the sequence is backwards in in my mind, like in a very in a very analytical brains. Uh, mm. 
Pattern. Start with testing. Start with testing. Yes. <laughs> no, I will start with defining. There is mm. absolutely no way that you can trigger um, a design process without having a definition of the problem you want to solve. Like you can you can pretend that you. So there there are two equally bad ways to go about design thinking. So you, you either have to pretend that you don't already know what is going to happen in the define stage um, because you you do. You just pretend to empathize before you define, but you, you really, you honestly know what type of solution you're looking for. Uh, so either, either you have to be a liar or worse, exist in a, in a certain state where Empathizing is a naturally spontaneous event, which probably means that you have to have a consistent empathizing process, like a consistent user monitoring process that will never end, uh, needs unlimited resources, and uh, you you just have to have this cast class of anthropologists to monitor the users and and do all the qualitative and quantitative research um, because otherwise it doesn't work so both of these are equally mm. bad in my mind uh, that's that's really interesting and i i think yes as you were saying maybe again i'm not sure but it could why how this why this is could be because of the origins of design thinking so origins of design thinking uh, i believe is in the early 70s and the whole framework, or sorry, idea, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, was uh, devised by a cognitive scientist. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I, I, so I, I could assumption, or you know, I, it could be that that kind of you know, let's look at users under a microscope mm -hmm. kind of view comes from there, and then it's kind of trickled down from there. So design thinking was not really super huge until the 2000s, when it got a resurgence when uh, Stanford University set up like a little kind of cool lab part thing called the D-School, where where um, where uh, the, the people who are now running IDEO, and, uh, and that's where it kind of had its resurgence. It was, it, it's existed through for several decades, but then, you know, for tech and everything, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of, that's my I, I, at least so it could be its origins that's kind of speaking a little bit i mean my yeah, wrong, because but... that that implies that there is this researcher who is just generally there among the people there's no initiative to to get them there like there's no problem be, there's no problem to be solved yet because we we are not supposed to define the problem until stage two until this person has done their job mm. So in this situation, like the idea is of the research and th th that makes perfect sense uh, from the pedigree of the idea that I didn't know about. I'm very enlightened by this because in my head, I had this, uh, I had this thought that the only way this makes sense is that this is a non-commercial approach and there is a grant mm. to someone um in, in order to perpetually research in 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 some sense or this is the the other equally bad scenario where we're bound to a certain monolithic tech environment 
that we only have huge players like Google or Facebook or um, Apple or the big guys, and they can afford to have a perpetual researcher class inside the ranks that always has a, fr- f- uh, a fresh batch of um, of users to test. Because if you don't have an app at all, and you don't have several billion dollars hanging out, how do you start doing this research, employing the people that will need to do the qualitative thing? Mm-hmm. And this is this is where it falls apart. Like it just it doesn't allow for intentional collection of resources that other design approaches have both in both in the uh in the visual design like branding or fashion or that kind of thing can happen or the more truly spontaneous um open source kind of design that might eventually lead to a to a, a certain collection of resources which is voluntary and it's very different uh but yeah like that's that even in the order i <laughs> Have trouble. Maybe I can jump in there and, and just uh, maybe this will be interesting as well. Um, so, so even design thinking or users, this is kind of equated to being user-centered or human-centered in, 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 in the essence of that kind of before... Before we were enlightened with, with, with this user center stuff, developers would do like, we're gonna, we know what everyone wants. We're gonna just make something. And and it can be quite, uh, you know, if you've been around an old maybe old bank site or old, uh, I'm sure you've you've encountered some. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that the developer did it, but but let's just say on a general um, level that the developers are are very technical and very um, niched in their thinking sometimes, and and they might not be so concerned about what 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 what, what were you know listening to the users basically. Uh, uh, so, so so that's kind of the the nuance there, but. I'll give you that uh, in large tech companies, which I it's somewhat part of now. Don't don't have to mention anything, but um, there is a tendency to to brag about that we are customer obsessed. We are users, you know. We 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 live and breathe the customer, and then the first people who are fired when there's a when there's um you know um yeah, recession yeah. time to fire UXR team. That's where we scale down. You, you, so UXR stands for UX research. That's where we scale down. Uh, developers are always the last to go because it's the, the bread and butter. You know, it's the holy cows of the organization. It's the one who who, who produces the thing, basically. Uh, so so that is an, I, I, again, I'm generalizing here, but it's a tendency that I've seen that big tech companies talk about that they're customer obsessed and then they fire their UXR team as soon as the market gets a bit shaky. Okay. So that's, that's an interesting uh, dichotomy there. Uh, I had another point, but I think I, I it, it got lost. Um, I have a few questions that might spark your uh, spark your thinking. Bring on. So, so the one the one the one is based on your experience. First of all, like no, I, I'll I'll start with something else. I'll start with a hypothetical. So so if one were to, um, as you said, be a bank, um, uh, experience experience the problem of developers and software engineers designing 
the, the user experience. Um, you, you have had this problem, you understand it's a problem, and you, you're willing to make, uh, you're willing to make um, a framework, you, you're willing to, to engineer a solution on how to solve this, right? Mm-hmm. So there are two options. The one is start with empathize and then go to define the problem. And the other is start with defining the problem and then trying to empathize yeah. with the users. So sure. which, which of the two makes more sense? I mean, of, of course, of course, the latter. Of course, the, you know, you, of course, you have a. So, I mean, I, I think there might be a, a disconnect here and a discrepancy of just looking at the framework or the you know the step by step with the with the cute icons on on the, on the website and how it's actually applied within the industry. So, I can only speak for myself. But of course, we will start, we know we have a problem. Either it comes from analytics, you know, we have sophisticated software and event triggers. So event triggers are we can meticulously um, monitor in the app how many people are dropping off at certain screens doing, we can monitor all user behavior basically in a very detail. I mean, you can measure, you know, uh, t- uh, time to task, everything. So, so of course, we will, uh, you know, anyone with a brain will define the problem. Or, I mean, or maybe there's people out there who just like, let's go just speak to the users and see what they say. Maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. But, but well, I mean, from my experience, that that's 100%. So, you know, what the framework, the cookie cutter framework is on a, on a piece of paper and how it's actually applied within, you know, product teams at a, at a tech company. It's, will be- it, sounds, it sounds like design thinking could benefit from prototyping and testing and then iterating and changing the order of yeah. of the steps if the users um you know there's a collective agreement that we we start with define and then we go to empathize right yeah yeah i mean yeah exactly <laughs> who, who watches the watchers right uh, but, but i mean that that, that that that's an interesting thing because it brings up another so there's more frameworks of course in the in the tech industry so are you familiar with the double diamond do you know, I what it used is? to think that they're exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, so again, all of them are kind of the same thing. So you know, in essence, we want to speak to users and hear what they have to say. Basically, that's you know, we don't want to. Yeah, that, that's basically it. But why I mentioned the double diamond is because it's a double diamond. So it's two two squares on the pointy ends connected to each other, and it has four steps. And let's see if I can get them right. Discover, define, develop, uh, deliver, or oh. design. So discover, define, develop, deliver. So the interesting part is in the discover. And the, 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 the discover part has, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 there's a brief in there. You, you, you have a problem already. There's a brief where we need to build something. We need to do something. It's built into the, the kind of pretext of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that one might make a little bit more sense. And I think maybe it's a more of a mapping to how you're actually working in the in the tech industry while design thinking has become more of this kind of abstract mindset rather than an exact process that 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 you follow maybe could be wrong but that's just from what i see in 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 my well that would be more so i i think it would be more intellectually honest to to um to to uh, market this uh, this idea as a as a a mapping rather than a framework in in the situation like if if someone would say we we analyzed how designers work 
and this broad public is uh, we were exposing how design designers think to the broad public like that is instead of this is a recipe for designers to be following this is an analysis of how designers are uh, are working which is you know mm. slightly different like it, it just uh, it is a, a post hoc um, mapping of the facts which would make more intellectual honest conversation in in, in my mind but anyway that's um, I digress so the, the, yeah. that's that, that's a fair point uh, I can mention that this that what I just said the double diamond was actually devised from like a, a survey or an experiment uh, by the British Design Council mm. in 2005 or something like that. It's, it's way younger than design thinking, who again stems from the, from the 70s. Uh, and and, and how, how it happened is, is, is kind of that they looked at companies uh, who, who, who um, claimed that they were very, we, we work with innovation, we want to innovate, we want to uh, you know, develop our product, we want to make it you know, better all the time, we want to yeah. innovate. And, it was like Lego and Starbucks, all, all kinds of different companies, not only tech companies. And 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 they 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 went to them, kind of in an inquisitive manner, uh, researched how design is made, or so to say, how products are developed, and found that what is now the double diamond process is the you know was the what was archetypical uh, for a quintess, quintessential. Um, framework or right. process or step by step how they how and and that's how it all came came to be and uh yeah that's maybe an, an interesting point that, that that's kind of the story about it uh, the, the the framework but 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 again like uh, another thing i see when i'm out teaching and stuff is that is that um so i teach at a couple of different uh, education providers for for, for di- digital designers and ux and whatnot is that un- juniors and New people, they 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 take it. Uh, they take the process. They, they take the sacrament of the double diamond, and now it's holy. And they now we have to follow it, right? It's uh, right. we cannot diverge from the process. And this tends to be kind of uh, washed out with time as they gain seniority and get exposed to real projects and see. Okay, this is not how it works in the real world. This is a paper, and you know, a little bit similar to. It's not exactly the same, but re- you remember uh, designer school or design school? Yes, it's a little yeah. bit. It's a little bit the same that, like, in design school, you're taught certain things from an academic perspective or whatever that doesn't necessarily map to an industry application of those things. If that mm. makes sense. So a bit of a similar. Um, thing okay. There. Yeah, I can. I can feel that. So, so the second question I, I had was, um, okay, so the uh, f- frameworks like this and others, like they tend to, they tend to produce a kind of dishonesty in in the fact that they create a, a lot of groupthink in in some situations, like a mm-hmm. a certain. There's a certain expectation that you know. Are we empathizing with the uh, user enough? Like uh, that just becomes um, a, v- a virtue or morality competition um, within the organization, which doesn't necessarily produce the intended results. So I think that 
qualitative bias might overwhelm the the rigid data centered um, you know metrics in some situations. I, I, is this a real concern in a real? Uh, well, in a real I mean, environment? it could be. I, I guess if it goes a little bit like toxic in, in that sense. So I mean, the the problem with frameworks sometimes is that they become or the what do you say the the, the upholders of those frameworks become, like you said, rigid in their thinking and they have a vested interest in kind of protecting because maybe they've taken a, a really expensive certificate course from some prestigious thing in design thinking or whatever. Then they have a vested interest in upholding the, you know, the 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 yeah, it was the sacraments of, of, of the framework rather than, you know, again, I, I look at this kind of in a, in a very kind of let's just, let's just peel away all the bullshit Talking to customers is never bad. Talking to users is is is, is nev- never bad. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it comes from the angle of being curious and truly wanting to understand how to make the product better, that 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 is nev- never bad in, in my opinion. At least, it becomes bad when it becomes <clears throat> sorry uh, gatekeepy, uh, in, in the sense that <clears throat> people will um, because I have this certificate, I'm can only speak to the users, or you know, uh, that you 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 wrap things up in again fancy terminology with with the with the purpose of deliberately kind of smoke and mirrors like yeah users don't feel like uh you know the, the internal locus of control blah 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 you know uh, rather than just like plain language speak with your mind or tell me the essence of the problem here so so that's i can see it goes toxic i've seen that it's not super common but i've I've seen it i I see it on linkedin though (laughs) that's where i see a lot lot of this kind of uh again buying package bundles of opinion kind of packages and now you subscribe to it and anything else is kind of heresy i i Uh, I think i i think i've seen this um there is there is this certain kind of there is this certain kind of way that exists in uh, statistical analysis sometimes and, and uh, customer research and um, audience research and Gallup polls and things like that where the, the, the phrasing of the question will influence the, uh, the sure. results of, of the answers in, in certain situations. So sometimes, sometimes the, um, there is like this shadow agenda behind um, that can linger in in the darkness while uh, while the um, the design design thinking frameworks are applied. But essentially, you know, it's very easy for someone to manipulate not even the data, just manipulate the questions and and you know cherry pick the the data points in, in order to create a certain narrative. Which is again will create the fashion designers top down trickle trickle. You you are absolutely right that that you know how you how you ask questions if you do the interviews or however and 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 how those are then analyzed the material definitely a thing that you know again I can only speak from my experience but um, the standard operating procedure is maybe you do it with, as a designer you do it with the UXR team together so you you go on, on live interviews like this where the user is kind of clicking through a prototype and you will watch you'll take notes and and all of that will be collected maybe in miro or some kind of you know collaboration board and then together as a group so the and the key here is is group that 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 you know not a single one person individual is the kind of um 
what do you say? The, the, the only one who can, who can uh, yeah, what do you say? The, the, there's less room for, for bias then. I mean, if, if yeah. you can have a group and, 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 and you <clears throat> leverage different opinions. Oh, but I, they saw that. I, I interpreted it this way. What about that? And, and then you would have also a, a material of maybe 10 to 15 users at least, because that's usually when, um, yeah, the, the, you, you don't need more for, depending on what the test is, but to, to, to get some type of qualitative insight from, from that. So no way perfect. Of course, there is, there is by, I mean, just the fact that, you know, there's a, okay, three, four designers and UXR, all of them might have had the same education, kind of same certificates yeah. and same bias. Uh, and speak, could be, speak to could, the same boss with the same concerns, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they have their own, you know, KPIs or OKRs and what they're supposed to deliver uh, and that impacts their performance review. Uh, so, o- of course. Uh, I think there, there is a safeguard in tech that fashion doesn't have in the same guard, and that's the the analytics of it. You, you, the proof is always in the pudding. If we do something, uh, build something, and launch something, we can we we the, the data will speak for itself. It, it, it that that is kind of the unbiased, and it, it will come back as a as a knuckle punch, uh, you know, with a vengeance. If you, uh, I don't know, <laughs> um, so so. In that way, I guess there's always like a last line of defense, which is the user behavior itself. Uh, okay, uh, unless you purposely don't have analytics set up and just like, I don't know, <laughs> just want to do your app yeah. for, for whatever reason, uh, not to make money or to, or to maximize profits or whatever. Do, 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 you, do you think there is... Okay, so this is another thing that I, I need to challenge is I don't think that the resources spent in design thinking have a tangible difference in um, in the way in, in the bottom line of businesses so that is um, that is going to be very challenging to prove of course but I do think that it has a lot to do with the um, with uh, the state of the world rather than the implementation of uh, design thinking solutions or not in, in certain situations. So so the question is, do, like, spending the resources to, to have the analytics and have the people that are employed to do this rather than just go with an idea for yourself without, without um, necessarily... Um, analyzing this this amount of information, the question is like, is there is there any way to test? Like, I, I don't think there's a way to to have a control group and see whether doing something with design thinking and doing something without design thinking, you know, can work in parallel in this situation. It's just mm. uh, it's really hard to falsify, which is another. Another thing that um, you know, religions or cults have uh, going right. for them is yeah. there's no way to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. No, so I mean, uh, maybe we're uh, what do you say, conflating some of the. So you have you have design thinking, right? But then you have kind of user research, you know, just on, on its own. It's kind of a you know, exactly. it, you know, where there it's a separate kind of uh, role. It's a separate um, you know. Okay, sometimes designers also researchers, blah, blah blah. But generally, on larger tech organizations, you have a dedicated UXR team, and you know they 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 are they have their competency and their kind of 
skills and and, and you know are, are are trained in that it, it's a little bit more academic and a little, a little bit more they usually don't have they can have a designer background they sometimes they don't it's different so i mean i i wouldn't argue with you that the for some organizations it might if they do it in a you know <laughs> i don't know not a good way in an intelligent uh a non-rigid way if they just apply the framework and see where the chips might might fall probably that the, the resources spent are not efficiently used uh but uh i you know i i've seen plenty of um what do you say uh yeah uxr projects or you know user-centered approaches where where you know you you went from having a hypothesis we think this is wrong to making a study testing that hypothesis seeing it kind of red chips fall as a group taking that learning from that launching that and the product is x percent better the, the metrics of, of user behavior so you know it, it's hard to say across the board it's all it's always you know uh but 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 i i i get that it would be really interesting to to you know uh at at meta okay here's a problem this group gets to solve it with design thinking and this group gets to solve it uh in some in some other way and see see what happens uh as a as a a b test yeah, but still, it, it would be intriguing. I would definitely, I would definitely watch. There used to be a, um, a reality show that was really fun. Um, oh. It was called the Big Brain, the Big Brain Theory. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that was the name of it. The Big Bang Theory? No, no, no Big Brain Theory. It was Big a, Brain Theory. Okay, it was a reality show um, that was sort of halfway between Big Brother and. And MasterChef, essentially. So mm. there were these two groups. So, so there was a, a big house, and the players were engineers and technicians and inventors and all different kind and scientists and all different kinds of brainy people. And uh, essentially, uh, they would be sort of randomly be put into different teams. Like there was some exchanging of players and, and what have you, but sort of randomized teams every week. And they had the challenge, which would be, you know, make the fastest robot uh, to, to mm. run 200 meters or send this cannonball as far away as possible. Uh, you have... $3,000 worth of, of a budget and six days to build this. So they would have, you know, randomized teams uh, that would compete uh, in, in order to, um, to achieve a, a technical engineering, what have you, solution. And the, the teams themselves would vote the, the least useful person in the team out. Essentially. In, in in order for to, you know to to achieve the, the last man standing type of mm. situation that used to to be the thing in uh, early early two thousands reality shows, so I would definitely watch the the <laughs> yeah. designer the designer equivalent uh, reality show where uh, different teams are trying to achieve the same thing. Should we make a Kickstarter for this and? That would be that. It, it it would make sense to have a Twitch, uh, a Twitch streaming mm, thing. Yeah, so just yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely. We might, um, we actually <laughs> might have something here. I don't know. Uh, uh, that's fun. 
Can I can I ask what what uh, instigated this or, or what sparked your kind of annoying? What sparked the beef? Basically, was it a single moment or it was like a, a series of events that happened over that I, you saw? Just, I am very frustrating where lowbrow things such as um, a hastily put together string of five words pretends to be the end all solution to everything, and I, I'm saying hastily because. Even again, the the sequence of the world, the the words are, is problematic in this situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm very much triggered about the amount of money, the amount of, um, you know, SEO-driven words, which is a plague to to our society now, mm-hmm. uh, where you know. Um, you see several hundred thousand articles about what is design thinking and why it will help your business in three simple steps. Uh, yeah. You know this this type of it's becoming Instagram carousels, yes. right? I, it, it's, it's even worse. Like Instagram carousels have uh, at least have this this a, vague, a good one can have a tangible value. Yes, yes. And, and this vague thing of personal expression personal interest like i just put together this instagram carousel this is my friends what inspires me like, at least there is this social connection that is completely absent in the um, it's become a business that, that you know right that in, in its own you know there's there's uh you know different companies selling uh i haven't taken them myself so i can't speak to their but but you know they're they're hundreds or sometimes thousands of dollars and you know UX certification, you know it's a business, and and that's sh- sure. What, what I don't like is the gatekeepy part of it, and, and and that's kind of you know that that you know I I am the sole portrayer of truth here because I have the certificate. Well, a lot of it is common sense, and you know uh, it, it's wrapped up in a more formalized academic um, framework. That's fair enough. I, I I learned it that way as well, but then over the years you have to under, you have to be adaptable and, and understand how, how it's actually applied within within a company structure in a real in a real case scenario. I mean, I don't know, just like boot camp military training will prepare you, but it will not kind of you know war is a, a different beast. I mean, I've never been to war, but yeah, going with tropes from movies here, but but but, oh, but uh, no, uh, as a fresh recruit, you're you're very naive. I, uh, I have I have some experience in that uh, because we do sure. we do have <laughs> we do have a national service, which is right. uh, which is something. And well, even that, um, like the the it is you know military training is a testament to. Uh, a certain idea that does not exist in design thinking is the evolution of the idea and the complexity of the idea. So, to to make things to make things simple, so the army is designing its services to be used by people of average intelligence. Like this is very important for the army. So the army is trying to make things as simple as possible for most people to follow procedure in this situation there is there is high expectation of very high brow stuff in very specialist circles and this is reflected in the the hierarchy like um, you can expect people who are very educated in a very specific deliberate thing to have a rank that matches like you know 
um, jet pilots are really mm. high ranked people because they're uh, you know uh, they're uh, it's it's a really stressful and really intense uh, job both in in knowledge and physical fitness for example. Design thinking has been here with us for fifty years now, mm. and Sounds- and it is immediately understandable by a person who is not even in the design space. So the question is, is this, is it really a fundamental? If it is, why is there this pretentiousness around it? Is this really that advanced as people would like to pretend that there's something so complicated that you have to take 13 seminars in order to do it? It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, like being put somewhere. It could be something as simple as, you know, we have the color wheel, which we show to um, to uh, designers in the first year of their studies and say, this is a color wheel, this is hot color, warm colors and cool colors and what have you. We could have design thinking as a fundamental, you know, very basic uh, simplification map of things and go for it. But it shows that... You know, in 50 years, we don't really have any tools to use. We don't have any tangible evolutions of it. Even, you know, in, in this is, again, throwing designers in a sort of lowest uh, common denominator in the situation where we don't expect them to be very sophisticated. So we just give them the most basic tools and just uh, hope they'll, they'll do something with it. It just doesn't mm-hmm. reflect... The sophistication. But I don't know if that's true, though. I mean, I I think there is probably quite sophisticated, um, what do you say, outputs of or uses of it. So, I mean, it's going to depend. It's hard to say it's always like this or it's always like that in in every, you know, business that that uses some type of, you know, user-centered UXR framework, whatever. I mean, so, so, you know... Besides the the, the 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 technology part of just how you can interview users or w- w- what you can do, that's of course uh, pr- progressed. Uh, but maybe the most of it is actually the test part. Just the fact that we can build something extremely realistic that looks like the final app or the website, and have them click around it and tell us what they think or that what doesn't work. Or or, or sometimes don't ask users uh, what they want. Look at what they do. It's also like the big thing, right? I mean, it's like. See what they do, and if if, if never, no 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 of them none of them finds the button we want them to find, well maybe the button is too small or in the wrong place. You know, yeah, it's a very simple simple example here, but but you, you maybe maybe you get what I mean. I'm, so I'm smiling because I'm thinking like, don't ask what you can do for your users, ask your users <laughs> what they can do for you. Right. Um, sorry, it's just uh, you know, no, that's funny. That's funny. Um, no, but so, so that so that was just um, you know, I, I I think they probably are. You know, I've not haven't worked at Google or Meta. I, I don't know how they work, but but you know, we we have pretty advanced analytics set up, and at that at where I work, and they, we really care about truly looking at what they're doing. You know, we, my my product manager can can come in Monday morning and just like, oh, we have this spike in transaction in this payment method in France. Why? Uh, that's cool. Let's let's find out. Like there can be these serendipitous small things that can lead you lead you on to 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 different avenues, and that's not necessarily design thinking. That's being user centered or being 
actually customer obsessed, being like truly interested in the people you're designing for, what they're doing and how you can actually make it better. But, but just to, a lot of people aren't like that. That, that is a little bit outside of the norm. To be that truly curious, uh, I, I, admi- I admire it because n- not even I will wake up on a Monday morning and go look at the analytics, you know. Well, <laughs> That's, uh, so. No, no, it makes sense. Like that, that, is, that is something that I, you know, I haven't really, I haven't really put into thought is, is what, um, you know, what are some problems that this thing has solved over the years? And I guess, like, if, if we take society to not, uh, the, the design community in this situation, not care at all about you, user um, delight or ability or what have you, it's just, uh, yeah, then it makes sense that design thinking is a solution to, uh, to several of the problems we, we have. But I do think that we could have an alternate an alternate universe where something kind of similar um, had taken it had taken its place and we probably be very different yeah yeah or it just had uh, thinking design and it had defined before empathize in this parallel universe and it would have probably mapped out as as well in, I mean uh, with equal equally good results I mean or idea we do the Kickstarter. And whichever group wins with the last man standing in in, in the Kickstarter experiment, Mm. uh, we patent and copyright and and call that a new framework, thinking design, and we sell courses and get rich. Okay, yeah. Uh, Yeah. If if I had a little bit uh, less of a moral fiber, I might be (laughs) I might be doing it. But yeah, I the the other the other challenge uh, I need to put like have so many. so Bring them on. challenges with this is is um, ha- have you ever heard of the the um, Thanksgiving turkey problem? No. Okay. So this problem. is a this is a thought experiment by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, uh, who is a um, he's a intellectual. I I I think he's a sociologist, but um, uh, you know, I'm not particularly fond of, of his ideas about risk assessment and all that, but he has this very useful analogy, which is this this thought experiment, which is like, imagine you're a turkey and you're being farmed for Thanksgiving dinner. So mm-hmm. every day the farmer comes in, in, in your uh, cage, gives you food, you get stronger, you get more beefy, you get, you know, fed and... Uh, watered and, and all that is just uh, there is no like from the perspective of the turkey the next day is just going to be equally bountiful and as comfortable as today so the the idea of thanksgiving coming and things suddenly mm. breaking apart um is uh very much of a challenge so i do think i do think that users think in a very in a very short term way they they can think about tomorrow but i'm not sure even the the best the best analysis of what they what they would really like or what they would 
um, change or improve in the software has the long-term kind of thinking that might, you know, create a truly revolutionary program. Like this, this is going to be creating um, features or small updates in a software that is going to be disrupted. It is very, is, is very apt to be disrupted by top-down Okay. Okay. Let me. Some. Let me. Uh, maybe I can bring in a concrete example, actually, and, and and it will make a little bit more sense because that's that's a valid point. So, uh, we did a big project last year. So again, I, I work in payments. I work in the fintech space. It's called. So, uh, I work at a Swedish fintech company. And we make a card reader, and we have a that take pay that takes payments, and we have a an app. To facilitate those payments, so the the merchant, the seller uses this app to uh, fire up a payment in their coffee shop or whatever, like ten dollars. The customer beeps their card, everyone's happy. It's a small, very small card reader. It's very that's the point of it. It's very small and very kind of uh, sleek, minimalistic. That's been part of the success. Um, and we wanted to introduce a new style of tipping because the tipping we had was from the European perspective. It it was amount based. And we wanted we wanted needed to launch tipping in the US, which is what percentage based. Yeah. It's different uh, again using fancy word here, mental models of how you tip. There's a lot of social kind of uh, stigma. It's a barrier towards minimum wage. There's all this stuff that kind of as a European, it's a bit like alien to you. Yeah. Uh, at least I I feel that way. Um, so we did a bunch of many interviews and and uh, you know in all kinds of sh- shapes and forms where we learned this stuff actually we got that very kind of pointed out we made several usability tests and, and prototypes where which i called nar- narrated prototypes so we we made a, a figma doc where there was a picture of a coffee shop um, and when the when the participants of the user came in so we t- we told these stories like imagine you're at a coffee shop you're now going to you had a great experience and you want to tip uh, so, so imagine this, and now we're going to show you what the card reader would look like, and we would like to uh, hear your thoughts. So uh, we, you, you say, speak, uh, speak out loud, or oh, sorry, think out loud. Think out loud is what you want them to do. So they just like, ah, oh, I would go here, I would click this, because that's kind of the unbiased way or whatever, just hearing them own, not trying to influence them so much, mm-hmm. not speaking much to them. Um, then we would take that, and we would make lots of iterations and refinements. So what, what actually happened in the end was that um, there was a bunch of things. Uh, our card reader, it started with saying hello. It started with hello. And then well, how much to charge? We we, under, we realized from this, the study that there was an opportunity to also say a goodbye. So we, we and we came up with this dual tipping um, uh, experience. So when the, when the user gives a tip, they get a small heart, bouncing heart in the, in the card reader saying, thanks for the tip. And the merchant, so the one receiving the tip on their phone, the tick mark, usually if they don't get a tip, it's just a tick mark that says payment approved. In this, I did a fancy After Effects animation where the tick mark morphs, the vector morphs and turns into a heart that also bounces. Right. So we call it like a dual tipping love that the merchant also gets a bit of that kind of appreciation and extra service. And this also uh, increased, uh, I can't mention all the metrics here, but it had a positive impact on the metrics. But I would also argue 
And this is harder to measure, the kind of the overall experience of using the product. You know, that, that is so big. It's not a very defined metric, overall experience. You kind of can't, can't quantify it. But how we know that is because of the responses uh, from, from actually, I love the little heart. Wow, that's so nice. Like all these very kind of human reactions to the little thing that we made. And it might sound silly, probably didn't change anyone's day or anything, but it made the product X percent better. I believe at least. So that's a tangible example of speaking to users and making something better. I disagree. Like I think I think that the the inspiration of adding the heart already existed in in the designer's education in, in the situation, like in, in their overall life experience, which is included with, with the way they do things. I mean, I came up with that, you know, whatever, like I came up with it. It was an idea that I had based on what, what if we would do that? But I would argue that maybe the process or, or being exposed to all of those interviews had a part in uncovering that creativity, at least in me. I, I can't say how it is for everyone, my, but my ideas. My working, uh, um, my working uh, theory with that w- w- would be that it is just a function of of the 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 time, resources, and uh, diligence that the company wants to add to designing the the user interaction. You know what I mean? Like if if they just put you in a box somewhere and they told you 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 have you know 20 days to just design the overall experience i think i think your approach would be almost the same if if not exactly the same like you would try to think how your how your uh, clients would experience things you would try to come up with a with a scenario yourself and yeah, if if you weren't sure, you'd probably you know research a few things by yourself. There is a, a like a d- design thing is not necessarily you know the um, you you can have user user input or A/B testing and and all that with, without without design thinking as a framework. In a sense, so yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we necessarily started with empathizing. We didn't. We we started with a brief. We need to release tipping mm-hmm. uh, uh, percentage tipping in the U.S. That was the brief, uh, you know. So, so so yes, I I agree. Uh, you know, I w- w- was the thing we did design thinking to some degree. Maybe or was it double diamond? Maybe. Uh, I, 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 you know, again, I kind of want to just peel off all the bullshit. Was it user centered? Absolutely. Yeah. What were you know? What were we interested in, in in their opinions? Absolutely. Did we test it and meticulously track it? Yes. So, 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 you know, um, yeah. I mean, the, I guess the problem always becomes when you want to slap this. This is design thinking. This was a design thinking process. It, uh, you know, I, I, I rarely see it work out that way in the in the wild. You know, in in war. Uh, whatever you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna call it, but uh, but yeah, fair enough. No, yeah, I, I just I have seen, I've seen this type of approaches in design throughout the millennia in, in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, like from uh, there is there used to be this ancient cup in ancient Greece uh, where um, if you overfilled your 
your cup with wine. It would empty the wine uh, from your cup completely. Like the the idea was to be uh, somehow uh, moderate in in the mm. portions that you assigned yourself in your cup, essentially. Um, and yeah, it was the same kind of thinking, like a smart idea on how to improve a certain metric by a certain amount of things, just ancient reason. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, you were like, oh, yeah, seen that, or uh, it's a... Yeah, like yeah. The, and the micro-interactions and all that. And like, I, I think you came up with micro-interactions. I, I did. The, the interesting A-B test would have been, would I have come up with it in a box alone in the lab? Well, maybe. I, I will we'll never know in, the, in this case, because it's already happened. And, you know, would I, would I have come up with it if I was never exposed to user-centered design? It's also like... Mm. You know, we, 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 we won't know. Um, but it, it's a, it, it's an interesting thought experiment to, to think about how much is inherent kind of uh, designer problem solving, leveraging creativity and design skills and how much is the framework. But I mean, it, 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 if you give this, the, the, the framework might be its best when it helps designers uncover uh, or come to conclusions faster or problem solve faster, then it does its job, I think. When, when it becomes rigid... Um, you know, semi-religious, culty, gatekeepy. Uh, you know, a vested interest because you took a really expensive certificate, and now you need to uphold the values. It's a bit like people who go to. I saw a fascinating YouTube video of a guy of a guy who went to computer science in Stanford, and now his entire YouTube channel is about roasting and explaining how goddamn useless it was. He had to take geology and all these crazy courses that have nothing to do with with uh, with computer science or being a developer the developer courses to like ios development was like a extra course he could take in the evenings if he wanted to but geology the science of rocks was really it was fundamental today so in the us you talk about the college bubble and you have kind of the same thing you know with like i went to stanford so now i have to wear the hoodie and Exactly. Uh, you know, defend everything that Stanford stands stands for. I mean, this was just one example. I've never, I've never gone to Stanford, so I have no idea. Just this video was fascinating, and I really, yeah, it was really interesting and funny to see because I, I I actually didn't think it was that bad. But computer science in Stanford seems to be, um, well, to be put it diplomatically, not anchored in contemporary, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what do you say, the tech market or whatever you want to say. So that's what what I start to to to, to think about. That that that's when it gets toxic when it's this vested interest. I need to uphold the. The good name of uh, because it's just a tool. It should it should be just a tool to, yeah, X Y Z that we talked about here today. Yeah, I guess I I think I think um, after this conversation, like a, a few angles I never thought about. This this is why it's very good to have these conversations. So for the audience, we're having these conversations blind most of the time. We just uh, yeah. we just agree on a vague topic and we we press record. Go for it. Yeah, and we go for it like a few no scripts, no, uh, you know, <laughs> none of that. Uh, so yeah, um, for for some things, I I have a new perspective in some situation, but I I still keep my my general thesis that if design thinking died, nobody would miss it in some sense. Like we would just come up with it again 
Uh, Rip design thinking missed by no one. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe I mean, yeah, or maybe there's time for thinking design and you switch. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, I guess there will always be a yeah, new it's one. It's going to be a four-digit number that ends in a seven. It's going to be the price for our exclusive seminars. Uh, <laughs> do you know? The, do you know the thing? Like most, most, no, the most, seven. most. Like, there is this data point that most, um, you know, empty. Uh, um, internet courses that are a bit scammy, bit pyramid schemey. They end the prices end in a seven. It's like three thousand ninety nine seven. Minus okay. Ah no, I don't know. Okay, that ending in a seven is a surefire way okay. to take my course. It's three hundred ninety seven dollars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I can. I'll. I look out for that. I look out. I, it has to be an even number or maybe. Nine. It's just a seven. Uh, the, the seven is the new nine. So when something's mm. 99, 99, something like that, mm. like mm. Now, it's, mm. now it ends in a seven for some reason. It feels, it. More, feels more ingenuous. It's still uh, the same the same tactic. It just feels more ingenuous, I guess. Right. Uh, again, there's always something new. So uh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I think... Do we round it off there, maybe? Uh, and uh, it's quite a nice little... Yeah. So... The normal scheduling uh, for our podcast is to have an episode about empires and the symbols they use and mm. um, and the, the the way they they transfer their ideas, uh, both fictional so and real, so equal parts Roman Empire and Star Wars Empire yeah. and um, I don't know yeah. the the. Uh, Game of Thrones empires, I guess, in in a sense. Yeah, I mean, you could go, you could go Lord of the Rings. You could go, you know, you could go in many many avenues, and it's uh, yeah, huge uh, huge topic um, that that or fascinating. I think that we've been talking about doing forever. So maybe soon, hopefully, fingers crossed. Unless something yeah, else, unless comes something along. else, uh, yeah. I have a beef with uh, yeah. comes up in in the radar. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for being uh, with us again. I'm very, very thrilled to be to be back on on the horse uh, with the podcast. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for listening. You know, let let us know what you think. Um, in any, you know, follow us on LinkedIn or drop a. I believe you can drop comments on Spotify now. Actually, so you can actually rate. And there's a form field for letting us know what you think, you know, yay, nay, uh, good, bad, you know, we want to empathize with our audience, right? Yes, and we so. would love to have, uh, we'd love to have your uh, data points, all your questions, mm. all your frustrations, yeah. all your challenges, we're here to yeah. help. Yeah, bring them on, bring them on. So, uh, yeah, hope to uh, speak at you soon again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.